So the last three weeks, we had our Advent services here, and the theme for those three services is God wants to be with us. We just sang about that, Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to have a relationship with his people. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to dwell with us. Can you believe that? He actually wants to be with us. And so the last three weeks, we looked at three seemingly random Bible events in the Old Testament that showed how God came and was with his people. So the first week, we talked about the burning bush. And this is an actual picture from the burning bush. Moses was given this sign, and this was the Son of God who was speaking to him, by the way, to tell him what to do to get the Israelites out of Egypt. They were slaves there. So God came here and dwelt in this burning bush to Moses. And then we fast forward the second week, we talked about the tabernacle. So while the Israelites were wandering in the desert all those years, The first year, God gave them instructions to build this tabernacle. And this is where God would come to dwell with his people. In the little room behind that curtain up at the top is where the Ark of the Covenant was. And this is where God in a cloud of smoke would come. And when the smoke was there, that's when God was there dwelling with his people And talking to them. And then just this last week, we talked about Gideon. Gideon had an army. They had enemies called the Midianites. An army of over 130,000 people. God dwindled down the Israelites to 300. No, this isn't the movie 300. This is a different 300 but just to show them that God was with them. They defeated that army of 130,000 with 300 people. And this is how God came and was with his people in this instance. So what are all these things, these three seemingly random Bible events, have to do with Advent, What have to do with Christmas? Well, hopefully it becomes a little bit more clear here. The first passage I want to take a look at tonight is from Isaiah chapter 7. Keep in mind, Isaiah was a prophet that was around 700 years before Jesus came and was born. And here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 14. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. He was the king at the time of Judah, of God's people. Ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you would weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. Does this sound familiar? This is 700 years before Jesus is born. 
So Ahaz, like I said, was the king of Judah, and they're in a heap of trouble. By the way, Ahaz was not one of the good kings. He was bad. He was evil. He worshipped other gods. And it may sound like he's being pious, saying he doesn't want to put the Lord to the test. But God told him, ask for any sign and I will deliver you. I will show you a sign. But Ahaz wouldn't ask for a sign. You know this sign thing, we like signs, don't we? Wouldn't it be nice if God came to you in a burning bush or maybe in a cloud of smoke? Wouldn't that be nice? And he came in that way to tell you what to do with your life. Wouldn't that be nice? You know, something about these signs in the Bible. You know, we read about these big signs that where God appeared to people in a burning bush in a cloud of smoke and all the other things in the Old Testament. And yet there was still all kinds of people that didn't believe and trust in God even with these big, huge signs. Something to think about. But even though Ahaz didn't ask for a sign, God gave him a sign anyway. And what was the sign? A virgin was going to give birth. This isn't a normal thing, by the way, in case you didn't know that. And then shall be called Emmanuel. And Emmanuel translated is God with us. Now let's fast forward to the book of Matthew. Chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. I'm going to stop there a second. So like Ahaz, Joseph was making plans of his own on how to deal with this situation. You see, Ahaz, way back 700 years before this, was also doing the same thing. He was making plans of his own, not considering God at all. And so Joseph is like Ahaz here. At first, he wanted to take care of things his own way. Now, granted, Joseph was going to do it in a very respectable way. He was going to do it in a way that would not shame Mary. You know, I think sometimes we may be able to identify with Joseph here, right? Maybe you like to be in control. Maybe you say you're seeking out God's plans, but... Really, you just want him to curtail his plan to fit into yours. Let's go on here in Matthew chapter 1. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this 
took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And look at this. From Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So unlike Ahaz, Joseph believed and trusted in God and obeyed what God told him to do. So just to recap here everything, we saw God come to his people in a burning bush, in a cloud of smoke, in the tabernacle, came as a warrior to fight with his people, 300 soldiers beat 130,000 soldiers. All along it hasn't changed. God wants to be with you. He wants to be with us. And now, God is going to come to us in a different way. And John, the writer of the Gospel of John, tells it this way. The Word became flesh. And who is the Word? Jesus. And just like the amazing girls that sang before, this is the Son of God, by the way, stepped out of heaven... Humbly. The Son of God makes his first appearance in this world. Born as a baby to a virgin, <coughs> not in fire, not in cloud in a cloud of smoke, not in the tabernacle or even the temple, not in a castle, not at Parkview or Lutheran. Not in a Hilton or Holiday Inn, but in the flea-bitten town of Bethlehem, in a stable. Just a reminder, this is the Son of God who came to be with us. Let's talk about this stable for a second. This is where sheep and cows and donkeys slept ate, and pooped. This is where the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Son of God, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, made his appearance. And we know that Mary took him and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in the manger. They probably had to brush out food aside. This is where they ate out of. This is where they drank out of. There's probably cow slobber all over it. And this is where the Son of God was laid. Because we have a God who wants to be with us. He came into a literal mess in that stable made by animals to clean up a catastrophic mess made by you and I, which is sin. He brought cleanness to our filth. He brought light into our darkness. You know, Christmas is a time we celebrate this baby 
boy born in a stable. And we hear this Christmas event every year. We heard the kids tell it so wonderfully a couple weeks ago. You know, we come to expect, know what to expect at a Christmas Eve service, don't we? And maybe sometimes we become a little numb to it because we hear it so much. But just another reminder, our God wants to be with you. We are in a mess. We were in a huge mess because of our sin. And because he loves us that much, he became one of us. So he could die on the cross for us. I'm sure a lot of you families have traditions. Am I right this time of year? You got a lot of you have the same things you do each and every year. You know, this got me to thinking about the stories that we read or watch on TV every year. Does anybody else do this? Rudolph the red new Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. The Christmas Carol, the Christmas story, how the Grinch stole Christmas, Elf, maybe Christmas vacation. But you know, as I was thinking about these, all these really didn't have anything to do with Jesus. I was reminded of a story I heard once when I was a little kid, probably eight, nine, ten, somewhere in that age. I remember hearing this story told in a sermon. Maybe you have or haven't heard this before, but I wanted to read it to you this Christmas Eve. I saw a strange sight. I stumbled upon a story most strange, like nothing in my life, my street sense, my sly tongue had ever prepared me for. Hush, child, hush now, and I will tell it to you. Even before the dawn, one Friday morning, I noticed a young man, handsome and strong, walking the alleys of our city. He was pulling an old cart filled with clothes, both bright and new, and he was calling in a clear tenor voice, rags. Ah, the air was foul, and the first light filthy to be crossed by such sweet music. Rags, new rags for old. I take your tired rags, rags. Now this is a wonder, I thought to myself, for the man stood six feet four, and his arms were like tree limbs, hard and muscular, and his eyes flashed intelligence. Could he find no better job than this, to be a rag man in the inner city? I followed him. My curiosity drove me, and I wasn't disappointed. Soon, the ragman saw a woman sitting on her back porch. She was sobbing into a handkerchief, sighing and shedding a thousand tears. Her knees and elbows made a sad X. Her shoulders shook. Her heart was breaking. The ragman stopped his cart. Quietly, he walked to the woman, stepping round tin cans, dead toys, and pampers. Give me your rag, he said gently, and I'll give you another. He slipped the handkerchief from her eyes. She looked up, and he laid across her palm a linen cloth, so clean and new that it shined. 
She blinked from the gift to the giver. Then as he began to pull his cart again, the rag man did a strange thing. He put her stained handkerchief to his own face. And then he began to weep, to sob as grievously as she had done. His shoulders shaking, yet she was left without a tear. This is a wonder, I breathed to myself, and I followed the sobbing ragman like a child who cannot turn away from mystery. Rags, rags, new rags for old. In a little while, when the sky showed gray behind the rooftops, and I could see the shredded curtains hanging out black windows, the ragman came upon a girl whose head was wrapped in a bandage whose eyes were empty. Blood soaked her bandage. A single line of blood ran down her cheek. Now the tall ragman looked upon this child with pity, and he drew a lovely yellow bonnet from his cart. Give me your rag, he said, tracing his own line on her cheek, and I'll give you mine. The child could only gaze at him while he loosened the bandage, removed it, and tied it to his own head. The bonnet he set on hers. And I gasped at what I saw. For with the bandage went the wound. Against his brow it ran a darker, more substantial blood. His own. Rags, rags, I take old rags, cried the sobbing, bleeding, strong, intelligent ragman. The sun hurt both the sky now and my eyes. The ragman seemed more and more to hurry. Are you going to work, he asked the man who leaned against the telephone pole. The man shook his head. The ragman pressed him, do you have a job? Are you crazy, sneered the other. He pulled away from the pole, revealing the right sleeve of his jacket. Flat, the cuff stuffed into the pocket. He had no arm. So, said the ragman, give me your jacket and I'll give you mine. So much quiet authority in his voice. The one-armed man took off his jacket. So did the ragman. And I trembled at what I saw, for the ragman's arm stayed in its sleeve. And when the other put it on, he had two good arms, thick as tree limbs. But the ragman had only one. Go to work, he said. After that, he found a drunk lying unconscious beneath an army blanket, an old man hunched wizened and sick he took that blanket and wrapped it around himself but for the drunk he left new clothes and now I had to run to keep up with the ragman though he was weeping uncontrollably and bleeding freely at the forehead pulling his cart with one arm stumbling for drunkenness falling again and again exhausted old and sick yet he went with terrible speed I wept to see the change in this man. I, want, I hurt to see his sorrow, and yet I need to see where he was going in such haste, perhaps to know what drove him so. The little old ragman came to a landfill. He came to the garbage pits, and I waited to help him in what he did, and I hung back hiding. He climbed a hill with tormented labor. He cleared a little space on that hill. Then he signed, and then he laid down. He pillowed his head on a handkerchief and a jacket. He covered his bones with an army blanket, and he died. Oh, how I cried to witness that death. 
I slumped in a junked car and wailed and mourned as one who has no hope because I had come to love that ragman. Every other face had faded in the wonder of this man. But he died, and I sobbed myself to sleep. I did not know, how could I know, that I slept through Friday night and Saturday and its night too, but then on Sunday morning I was wakened by a violence. Light, pure, hard, demanding light slammed against my face. And I blinked and I looked and I saw the first wonder of all. There was the rag man. Folding the blanket most carefully, a scar on his forehead but alive. And besides that, healthy, there was no sign of sorrow or age. And all the rags that he had gathered shined for cleanliness. Then I lowered my head and trembling for all that I had seen. I myself walked up to the ragman. I told him my name with shame, for I was a sorry figure next to him. Then I took off my clothes in that place, and I said to him, with yearning in my voice, dress me. He dressed me. My Lord, he put new rags on me, and I am a wonder beside him, the ragman, the ragman. The Christ. And this is exactly why Jesus stepped out of heaven. He went from wearing swaddling clothes to taking all your soiled rags and my soiled rags to the cross and dying for them because he loves you that much. Amen. <laughs>